Hi humans, welcome to our podcast, Deconstruct. My name is Lauren. And I'm Adam. On this podcast, we want to help start or continue conversations about the beautiful and messy parts of life. Although we both had a conservative upbringing, we've since grown out of a lot of our traditional ways of thinking. We're learning to deconstruct the religious lenses we once saw the world through, breaking down topics like purity culture, racism, and the patriarchy, while demystifying things like feminism, equality, and love. Stepping away from our evangelical church background, all the while leaning into God and moving forward in our faith. We'd love to hear your story. You can find us on Instagram at deconstruct.pod. Now, onto the episode. What kind of dogs do you have? I have a pit bull who is 10 years old. He's literally next so to cute. Me. He's, He's very so cute. cute. He's very senior. Um, and then we have a little more <laughs> in the house, probably burrowed under blankets. I've never had a small dog before, and we thought he would grow, but he did not. He <laughs> so did he never. is. Yeah, he's just a little bean. <laughs> oh my gosh, they're so cute! I don't think you realize that the little tan pit. Uh-huh. That's that's yeah. her dog. Oh yeah, yeah. That's him. <laughs> it was that's yeah. It was funny. Like we saw a dog on a walk this morning, and everyone is always like, "Oh, he doesn't look like he's that old." And then he'll do something like fully senior. And just this morning, he like. His legs kind of gave out. I was like, well, he is old. <laughs> like, he's old. He, he's very, like, he's still very curious and stuff. And he does, you know, know that he's old. Like, that's why he's always playing well, with yeah, dogs he's and stuff. And he's oh, very popular. Know. Like, I grew up they with do. pits and boxers. And little boxers look like pugs, but, like, super awkwardly oh my lanky. <laughs> with really yeah, long yeah. legs. Gosh. So this episode's all about dogs. Yeah, right. <laughs> good. Okay, good. I was hoping <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. Today we have Grace Sumler Baldridge. She is a writer and a producer, a musician. Um, she also has a docu-series on Refinery29 called State of Grace, and it's awesome. She covers a lot of topics, a lot of controversial topics, just how we like it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Grace. Uh, we're so glad to have you. Thank you so much for having me. It's really cool to be with you guys today. Yeah, so... For those of the listeners who don't really know who you are, can you give us a little bit of your background? Um, okay. So, yeah, my name is Grace Baldridge. I am a internet person of sorts, and mm-hmm. I got started with State of Grace um, through a friend of mine who had just um, gotten hired by Refinery29 and was... Uh, kind of being a very good friend to me during a strange time in my life where uh, my oldest friend had come out of the woodwork. Um, When I was engaged, um, I asked her to be a bridesmaid and then she cited religious reasons for uh, why it might not be a good fit for her to be a bridesmaid. And I was venting to my friend Tina and Tina was like, so are you telling me that um, all sort of homophobia is rooted in religion? And I was like, I mean, kind of, yeah. I mean, at least in this country, it yeah. does feel like there is that common thread. And Tina was like, well, we should do a show about this. And at the time, I was working um, on like an in-studio entertainment talk show. And I also had a show about true crime. And I'd never done anything like in the doc variety. But sure. I was really intrigued by the genre and um, how you can connect with people in a really um, authentic way and tell stories um, in a different capacity, you know, because you're reaching people exactly where they are, you're going to them, you're not reporting from inside the boundaries of a studio. Yeah. And so we shot the pilot. And we kind of waited for a while. And then refinery picked up some more. And we're very fortunate that um, we continue to make some more episodes. So that's how I got started with doing State of Grace. But I moved out to Los Angeles to be a stand-up comedian at the time. And uh, I know, weird. And the strange thing that happened was as I became more comfortable with myself and who I am, and as I got to know myself more, I didn't really want to make jokes about myself because a lot of my jokes Mm. were kind of um, gay. Yeah, self-deprecating, like gay jokes and kind of poking, I guess, fun at my own community. But it, it wasn't coming from a spirit of kindness or good humor or good faith. It was really my own discomfort with who I am. Mm. So um, I eventually like quit that, got into kind of hosting a little bit. And I, I started writing 
music as I became more comfortable with myself. Mm -hmm. And so I've been doing music and I've been doing um, the show and a few other sort of things in the works that hopefully you'll see this year. Um, just like Ooh. us all. Am I right, my yeah. friends? Like oh, yeah. sure. The five million things that we're all working on. Um, <laughs> so now you are married, right? I am, yes. That, that engagement did did follow through. It went through. It went through. <laughs> we did it. Awesome. And what, what's your wife's name? Her name is Lizzie. Lizzie. Okay. Oh, cool. That's right. Yes. So um, how how has that been for you? Was that something that you, you started the docuseries after you were married or was it during that engagement time? It was engagement. Okay. So the conversation about the show, just sort of as a concept, like, is this something that we could address? Would people be interested? Is there a need for this? Right. Um, and also kind of getting over my own fears of before you know, I was talking about um, like pop culture, that was pretty much what my lane was as a host. And I right. had to psych myself up. Was I equipped? Was I prepared? Um, was this responsible for me to host a show like this? Mm. And, um, you know, sort of working that out during that engagement season, we got mm -hmm. married. And then a few months after that, um, well, actually, right when we got back from my honeymoon, the show that I was hosting at the time got canceled. So that oh. made it really clear that I needed to focus <laughs> yep. on State of Grace. You needed to move into so, another uh, yeah. lane. Yeah. And I remember freaking out and calling my friend who produced the first season. And she was like, this is this is a good thing. You don't see this right now, but you sort of needed this kick in the butt to work on something different um, and yeah. something yeah. that I've never felt more passionately about a project than I have with State of Grace and what we might be able to accomplish with these stories um, and highlighting really amazing people that are doing awesome things. So uh, yes, yeah, so it was right after we got married, I started doing State of Grace and yeah. So when you talk about the responsibility of the show, do you mean like socially responsible or responsible to like your own emotional space that you were in in that time? You know, I suppose it's a bit of both um, because the show did come sort of as a reaction, as a very emotional reaction to something mm -hmm. that happened with my oldest friend. And yeah. so you do sort of want to give yourself some space to make sure that you are reacting responsibly am i doing this out of to be vindictive to like show her like yeah you were wrong you know or mm -hmm. was i doing this uh, you know to sort of harness the hurt um to connect with other people and highlight issues in a way that could make change you know am yeah. i just sort of like picking at a scab or am i trying to create healing so there was a bit mm -hmm. of that with me and then i think also you know you're you were tackling some of the issues on the show are, are just so heavy and mm -hmm. i have led a life um, with a lot of privilege. And so just understanding, am I the person that can do this responsibly? Can we create a team mm. that can tell these stories responsibly? And mm. I, you know, I, I'm very proud of the show. I'm, I'm, it's all about the, the team that goes into it. And uh, we have a lot of moving parts, like people come in, people go out, you know, Tina that did the first season has moved on and she's developing for TV now. Um, she's left us rat people from the internet behind. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I love, she's one of my best friends. I love her so much. Um, and so there was a bit of both. It was, you know, if I could do this responsibly for me as a person and then also as, as a team, could we mm. create a show uh, to the best of our abilities that could handle these subjects responsibly? Yeah, for sure. So, so just to back up a little bit into your childhood, did you grow up in a Christian home or were you kind I of like non-theistic as you were coming up? Oh, we were as theistic as they come. My dad is an Episcopal priest. Oh, wow. Um, so he is the Reverend Kempton Baldridge. Wow, um, how noble. Please, yeah, I know. Find him on Twitter. He's there. I don't know why. Um, he just kind of lurks, but I love to... Yeah, you can, you can like ask him like questions about theology. So I was raised um, in a very religious household, uh, going to church all the time. Um, you know, when you live in the rectory, your home is also almost like a, like another church in, in a sense, like people would show up in the night. You know, I remember distinctly that this guy's family was away and his cat had passed away. Oh, wow. Um and so he just came over at like 2 a.m. And it was our, that was, you know, it just sort of illustrates the open door policy of living in a rectory, which is like, right. you're never not available to the community. Mm -hmm. And wow. my dad really um, has exemplified that and continues to. He's now a chaplain on the Ohio River region. So he works with like the towboatsmen and the Coast Guard, um, ministering to them. But so much of ministering when you're a chaplain is 
just providing care and yeah. being someone that is um, available to them, whatever their needs might be. If mm. it's they need books, they're bored, they want like DVDs, like that sort of thing. It's yeah. not like trying to save the, the Turboatsman. Right. Um, <laughs> right. like, once they come to shore, they're, yeah, they're so exhausted. And he's like, have you heard of Jesus? Right. Like, no, it's, not, it's not quite like that. Yeah. Um, well, so I was raised in a really religious household, but fortunately enough, the Episcopal Church, and I grew up in Belgium, which is a very secular country. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, cool. I grew up in a very affirming community. So I knew um, like queer people that were serving in leadership in our church, that were members of our congregation, um, that were accepted um, seamlessly. So I was yeah. very protected from the division within the church in the United States until I moved here for college. And even then I kind of was able to avoid it because I would go to Episcopal churches Mm -hmm. until the breakdown happened with my friend who I I think she would qualify herself as born again. And then it that was the only time that I, the first time that I really, you know, questioned, okay, what is happening here? And can I, can I do something to address this? Because my friend is a sweet, loving, kind person, and she's always been there for me. She's one of the first people I came out to. So yeah. I don't know what she's being taught. I don't know what's happening here, and I, I think that it's something I need to look into. I don't think I can ignore this anymore, basically. Yeah. Wow. So you were so you were like an adult by the first yeah. time that you like kind of came across people who were not – all inclusive for humans. <laughs> yeah, I was really, really protected. I really mm-hmm. was. I mean, I would ask my dad growing up why, because um, I, I, I wasn't stupid. I knew that there was some division. I didn't realize the scale. You're like out I there think, somewhere. Some right, yeah. group of people have some yeah, sort of and confused I would, so interpretation. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I would ask my dad, you know, why do some Christians not like gay people or think that gay people are going to hell. And my dad was like, I don't know. I don't understand it. I don't agree with the theology and it's not worth me teaching you this because it's not, I don't believe it's right. So I'm not going to show, like, I'm not going to teach you the clobber verses. Right. Because they're not being taught correctly. And this is what we believe. And this is what supports it. And this is our denomination. And I only want you to know that. So I was very, very protected. Wow. That's awesome. That's, that's really cool. Um, on, He's you a know, good guy. You, you were talking. You were talking about how, yeah, the way your your dad kind of does life and you know his ministry and um, you know I've seen that through State of Grace that you do the same essentially and you ha- leave space for people and the way you have conversations with people who disagree with you, um, even the guy at the 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 Pride rallies and pride parties oh, Ruben. and stuff. Yeah, him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And how, you know, you guys just are able to have conversation and he, so for those who don't know, Ruben is someone who is a, I guess a protester on the other side of the pride parade. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and just, you're able to have just like open dialogue um, with so many people. And you know, that's how, that's actually how I found you was through State of Grace. Um, oh, okay. And when I was, you know, going through a lot of my original kind of deconstruction and stuff. Um, when you spoke with Jackie, um, right, that, yeah. that specific video, and then also you talking about um, churches, how really churches should come out as either affirming, truly affirming, or yeah. not. Not just this, you know, we, we love everyone. All are welcome. Yes, yeah. that, that kind of language because that's confusing because when yeah. you go to a church and they say all are welcome, we love everyone just as you are. Mm-hmm. But then secretly they're like waiting for Jesus to like change you kind of. Yeah, there's there's some fine print to the welcome. Yes. Mm. You know, so I was I was listening to your conversation conversation with Jackie and mm-hmm. um and then the that conversation about the the churches and um it really just sealed the deal for me, I guess, when it, I come from a Christian, you know, I come from the Christian music industry, which is very conservative. Um, and I knew that I couldn't, I no longer could be quiet or silent. I knew I was like, okay, I'm a very, I'm very much an activist at heart. Like that's just kind of how I was created. I'm just, once Mm -hmm. I have a passion, I want to be loud and talk about it. Um, and so I made a video shortly after, coming across your videos about how I became an affirming Christian. Um, And, you know, 
coming from that Christian music industry, there was quite the fallout on my socials and wow. there was a lot of things, you know, happened and, um, yeah, it, it was, it was a lot. So anyway, that's, that's how I ended up finding you. And so I'm very inspired by your bravery to talk to people. Oh, well, thank you. I, it's, I, I don't know if I would qualify it as bravery though. You're very kind to say it that way. I think that because I grew up with a certain degree of privilege and protection, it allowed me to, um, develop such a thick skin to difficult conversations. And so yeah. I try and use that privilege to engage in ways that, um, could be healing in ways that perhaps other people aren't ready to do, you know, yeah. they're, or, or they're not, they're not really available to that, or they don't have the platform to sit down with high profile people, you know? Yeah. Um, I, that was a big thing too. We have access to a camera crew that right, will film the right. little doc for us. That's not everybody's <laughs> situation. True. Yeah. And I understand that. I'm also, I've had a couple of my, my friends in the LGBTQ community who've been like, Lauren, that was really brave of you coming from you know, the conservative background, I'm just like, I don't feel like that's brave, but I mean, I appreciate that. So I, I, I resonate with you in that. Yeah. So did it, did it take time for you to like find your space where you could start vocalizing those kind of, um, well, uh, I, I, I had listened to a few interviews with you and you had talked about how, uh, you had a hard time putting yourself out there as almost uh, you wanted to be unoffensive all the time. You never wanted to make anybody comfortable with how you were or the things that you talked about. Yeah. And, and I just kind of would love to, to get a little bit into like, what was the moment that you were able to find your space where you were able to live like almost an offensive life or you allowed yourself mm. the, the opportunity to be offensive? Yeah. Well, I don't, I mean, I, I still am definitely adverse to causing offense. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah I definitely sure. don't try and be, I don't try to be controversial, but I, I don't, uh, back down from what I think is right and wrong. Um, yeah. but as far, I think honestly, guys, like the past year, maybe two years, I've finally gotten to a place of really accepting myself um, who I've known myself to be since I was a little kid. And it's kind of sad to look at photographs, but I try not to be so sad about it, but mm. where you can see the line of when I started receiving societal messages of how a young girl should act, dress and behave. Right. And when I sort of bought into that, because when I was a kid growing up, I mean, it's, a, it's the beauty of, of kids. They're just so pure. They just know who they are. They really yeah. know their, their truth, even if they can't fully articulate it yet. And again, I'm not saying that like kids are smarter than us, but in some yeah. way, I'm not being like, we should, seven year olds, <laughs> they, they know what's up. Yeah, um, right. But in, in some ways about like understanding their true colors, they're not yeah. as affected yet by the societal messages that we are just bombarded with, even in, um, sort of subconscious ways all the time. And mm -hmm. finally, I think the last year or so, I got to a point of like, I, I'm done trying to fit in um, with what people might think is more comfortable or um, suitable for someone like me. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I, I, I was done trying to fit fit into any sort of mold or box. And I really wanted to just follow my heart. I believe it to be God's truth of who I was created to be. And only since doing that, have I been able to like, just pray more freely, have an experience with God more freely, read scripture more openly and honestly, because I'm, I've taken down the facade of trying to be someone I wasn't created to be. And I, yeah. I feel that there's a great deal of, of glory in doing that. And I, and I understand it's a unique experience too that a lot of people won't understand. I have really open conversations with my mom, who is also totally awesome and um, great, where I just have to sort of pose it to her, where it's like, you woke up, you were um, a girl, you're a woman, your name is Isabel, and all of this fits for you. All of this totally matches. Like your mom dressed you in certain clothing and it totally fit and it matches awesome. But can you imagine if it didn't? Just imagine the, like how it might feel if it didn't. Because that's sort of, how it was for me when it came time to go to church, I would be put in a dress, even though I was a raging tomboy um, mm. all every other time. And just sort of explaining how, you know, why my appearance has changed in a way, mm. but it's also just, it, it's just becoming 
me. It's just, I've just become myself. Yeah. And um, that, that's sort of how, I don't know, did I answer your question, Adam? Oh, I yeah, went for off sure. on a bit of a tangent there. No, just, no, I, I think totally that just. It. I've become more comfortable with, with myself and, and being a bit of an outlier and, you know, uh, getting misgendered at TSA is fine by me. I don't care. <laughs> um, like stuff like that. It just, I, I, I really am in a good place in my life. So I think that we can engage in these stories because I feel light, you know, yes. I feel really light. And so it's okay to have these moments of, of heaviness um, and explore some topics that are heavy because when I go home, to, you know, my wife and to my family, I feel really light and I feel yeah. happy. And I'm you, really blessed in that way. You like shed the responsibility of maintaining everybody else's comfort level. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's totally it. Yeah. Yeah. So did, did your wife have a similar upbringing or was hers different? Oh, it was different. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, she was raised in a uh, wonderful, uh, more conservative home, um, Methodist household in North Carolina. Her parents are amazing. Same, same. Um, Methodist household in North Carolina, same. There you go, Raleigh. Um, yeah, okay. And she has two younger siblings. She's the eldest of three. And she was actually outed when she was in high school at a small all-girls school. She did not have a good high school experience. Um, and I think actually both of us in our own ways, she presents very conventional. So she has a, a different type of, uh, I, I don't know if I would say like struggle is kind of too harsh of a word, but she has a different sort of daily battle, which is that no one thinks she's gay. So she has to come out all the time. Mm. Like people always be like, what's your husband do? How, tell me about your husband. Interesting. And she'll be yeah. like, okay, wife. And she does like, and you don't want to make <laughs> yeah. people feel badly because mo most of the time it's very benevolent. They don't mean anything by that. Um, yeah. But yeah, so she, uh, she was, she was sort of outed in high school and that wasn't a great experience. And then I think also the past like year or so since getting married, she's also experienced a bit of a, a lightness of just really relaxing into who we are and celebrating who we are and feeling like everything sort of clicked into place and that God's hand was over all of these sort of dark valleys that we had to go through in order to find each other and um, create the life that we have. Yeah. I feel like you have to carry that lightness into the kind of conversations that you're having now. I mean, yeah, because I, it, for you to be able to approach people and even have open conversation with people that are living in places like where, where you're talking about uh, coming up against Christianity and how that there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, uh, what? homophobic. Yeah. There's a lot of homophobia yeah. in Christianity to be able to come up against those conversations and actually have a conversation. I think it just, you have to bring a lot of levity to it. And that's not all. I mean, the thing is like, that's, that's what I love about refinery refinery 29 and also your specific, you know, state of grace is that it, it's not just, you know, you do obviously talk a lot about the LGBTQ and community. Um, but there's other things that you dive into, you know, like mm -hmm. abortion even in politics and yeah. things, and you don't shy away from that stuff. Was there ever a moment when filming state of grace where you had a conversation that surprised you or that challenged your way of thinking? Yeah, I think, um, I was very, uh, nervous. I was, I was very, I felt very daunted by the subject of abortion and the death penalty. And we were going to combine sort of life and death into one episode. And I knew that that was going to be a very uh, ambitious subject. And I didn't really have resolute feelings on either, but I, but I knew that um, Tina who produced the episode had uh, found some people to speak with that would really, or were, were uh, came from positions of authority that could speak on these subjects in a really unique capacity. So I was excited about that because I felt prepared going in, even though I was like, I, I don't know that much. And again, I've never, I've never worried about an abortion. I've never worried about mm. pregnancy. It's just not yeah. been my story. Right. Um, and I, and I knew what the Christian perspective was on abortion um, for the most part, I guess I, and, and I hadn't really heard a contrary opinion, again, just from being sheltered. Yeah. So I was interested to hear what it was. And there was a Presbyterian minister um, who really challenged me in a, in a really quite a beautiful way about uh, the what, what Christians 
um, think of abortion and of her work as she goes with women to Planned Parenthood. And she believes strongly that it's what Jesus would be doing. And the way that she explains it um, was very profound. And then also meeting with a woman who had an abortion and she uh, was pro-life prior to this and had a child because she felt so strongly in her convictions to be pro-life. So she had this kid. And then while she was on birth control, she got pregnant again. And because of the systems in our country and the situation with the father, um, she made the really difficult decision to have an abortion so that she could protect the quality of life for the daughter that she had. Mm -hmm. um, because the systems in this country for mothers uh, are bad. And she yeah. literally brought a spreadsheet with her to the interview that we, we didn't end up showing it. Um, mm. But it was, it was, it really rocked me where she looked at every single state and the programs that they have for mothers, for single mothers, low income, single mothers, where she could move so that she could have this child that again, she was totally, a lot of people think that it's women being careless. She was being not that that really, like, I think has any sway and it sounds extremely judgmental on another person's experience. But mm. in this situation, she was on birth control. She was, you know, getting her life on her feet and um, she got pregnant again. She ran the numbers. She was like, I would have to make really wild sacrifices for the daughter that I have in order mm. to have this child that I know the state, as soon as this birth happens, will be sort of a forgotten child yeah. and will fall potentially prey to a system that doesn't value life as much as I think that people like to, to say they do when they're pro-life. Right. Right. You know, it, it really does my takeaway from that episode. And it was really, it was really tricky. Um, and I understand that people have really valid and, uh, dif different opinions on this is that, mm -hmm. um, a lot of what we have in place right now is pro-birth. It's not pro-life right. because mm -hmm. we need to talk about, you know, a, a life is long, a life yeah. is long and it is precious. And are we taking care of the mothers? What, what, you know, what financial incentives are we providing to single mothers? And people are like, well, that's their, you know, that's their problem. We're not providing them with any sort of tax breaks or anything. You know, it's just, yeah. it's a whole, it's just an absolutely whole, it's a, it's a total mess. And I think mm -hmm. that people simplify it in a way that just further creates division. So what I enjoyed right. about that episode was sitting down with people, going in with a really open mind, um, hearing perspectives I had never heard before, um, and, and that I would I would hope other people had not heard before as well, because yeah. that's something we like to champion on the show. And then just sort of asking the question, you know, what does it mean to be pro-life? Mm. How can we help the lives around us? Are we, you know, because I, I think that when when it comes down to pro-life or pro-choice when you see the the rioters sometimes it's diluted to something that uh has no nuance and yeah. something as mysterious as life mm. as mysterious and beautiful and sacred as life there's we've got to appreciate the nuance in that they're like oh it's a you're a baby murderer or you know no. it all it just it, it's an oversimplification and we're ignoring the people that got that get caught in that wake. And I think that's really harmful. And it is antithetical to how we understand, I think, the Christian experience, which is to really listen and love people for, for where they are. Well, I think there's just so much in our culture right now that it, it, everything's externalized, where it's like the responsibility is externalized. And and the, the, the things that people want to make rules over are always externalized. And I, I think the moment we start finding space to... to figure out what we're going to do with our lives and what what the decisions that we need to make for ourselves. I think once we start kind of diving into a little bit more self-care and, and intentionality with our own lives, I think mm. is when we'll stop imposing so many things on other people and just be able to find space for people. But I think that's a great point. Thanks. Um, so having all these conversations and, and all this like openness and all this like raw, difficult conversation with people, do you feel like it affects your creativity and other aspects of your life? Because I know you've talked about how you do a lot of different things. And I know mm -hmm. with Lauren, like once we started getting into doing podcast stuff and we started getting into doing YouTube things and different stuff like that, like it highly affected the way that she wrote music and the way that she mm. like saw her creativity. Do you feel like it, it it's affected any other aspect of your life? That's interesting. Um, I, I think it 
has. I definitely have needed to become more intentional with carving out time for mm. writing. I usually yeah. I'm at the piano every morning just to um, see if there's anything happening. Uh, usually I do most of my songwriting while I'm dog walking, which is so annoying. Oh, I um, get it. I just, yeah, I'm like humming to myself like a Looney Tune. Um, you need to get like a good voice to text uh, recognition software. Yeah. Voice memo. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think that um, music has become so important to me because of the work in State of Grace, because music is is just such a cathartic release in writing and being really honest with what's on my heart. Mm. And I, I think I've been more grateful than ever to have that as an outlet. Um, because I, I, I before I, I don't know, I'm not sure what I would, what I would be doing. I think lots of dog walking or, <laughs> I, you know, in, in, in between moments, um, you know, you want to have these points of levity. So going out with friends, visiting, um, of course, I love a good Netflix binge. I'm a human. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> also, you know, I think sometimes acknowledging some of the heaviness, but also the lightness as well is music. Just having that outlet has become more important than ever. And I like, I itch when I don't get to write yeah. if, if, if like a, a day or so goes by and I haven't played anything, even just like doing like a cover for, for funsies, yeah. um, around the house. Like I'll, I really feel it almost like, um, I, I understand that people feel this way about exercise. I can't relate, but like if they don't <laughs> exercise, uh, yeah. if they don't exercise for a while, then they'll, you know, feel, you know, they'll really feel that ache. And I yeah. definitely need that now more than ever with music. Oh yeah. I definitely, um, resonate with that, you know? So coming from, I was in the Christian music industry. If you know my story at all, it's mm -hmm. like about a year and a half ago, my sister quit the band since then it's been like, you know, we've won awards off of kind of nothing happening right now. Um, mm -hmm. and then also since then there's been deconstruction. And so I'm like, Oh wow. Now I can see all the trauma that happened while I was in the Christian music industry. Um, all the damage that has been done. So I've kind of like, n not intentionally, but now, you know, I've kind of taken this time not doing as much music mm -hmm. in the day to day um, and figuring out because I was on tour for basically three and a half years. And when I'm wow. doing that, that was kind of my creative practice. That was kind of like what I, you know, I, doing so many shows, I was being yeah. my creative artistic self. And now being off the road, I got to figure out and not being working with and in that band every day, you know, mm -hmm. I got to figure out what that means for me. And, you know, hearing you talk about that and something we've recently kind of got a little studio set up. I understand like I need to, I'm challenging myself. I need to be writing more, doing like covers more just for the, just for the fun of it. Um, mm. because it is so therapeutic and it is something that yeah. was, you know, my life for, forever for literally my whole life. Um, and so I'm just like navigating what that's like to let it be therapy again. Lauren, for me. Yeah. We have got to talk about Christian. I was raised on Christian music. My dad used to book Christian music bands. Oh, what? Really? Yeah. I have many, maybe this is, uh, another conversation, not for the podcast, but I have many questions for you that I've tried to hunt down about oh. the inner workings of the oh. industry. Oh, do I have um, some answers yeah, for and you? I, it got sounds like you might have some, some answers for me because yeah. I have very complicated feelings as well okay. about the Christian music industry. And that's sort of the, I was not raised in purity culture. I, that wasn't every, anything that was brought to my attention, like within youth group or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but there I, I do have very mixed feelings about some of the messages that I received through the Christian music that I mm -hmm. was given. I mean, when you're a kid, you don't have, you only have your allowance. You can only buy a certain number of albums. And at that time, you're, most of your friends are just like burning CDs for you and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. Yep. If you wanted secular music. And because my dad was like, listen, like I'm buying you rec. I'm the person buying this and I'm going to buy Christian music because I want you to be listening to not swear words. Right. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm definitely sneaking Slipknot and Corn from my friends. <laughs> yes. like, whatever. Like, yeah, give me P.O.D. and Pillar. Like, sure, let's do that. Um, if that makes you think that these are like that I'm, you know, being protected. But I have very sure. complicated feelings because of some of the the messages that were like sort of I, I either outwardly shared or like implicit mm. within Lyrics. Um, the, yeah. And I, 
will love, I would love to talk. I'd love to unpack well, that with I mean, you sometime. Yeah, sure. The thing is like, you know, we can, we can kind of go into a little bit of it right, right now. I mean, we can, you can, we can have a conversation that we just really dive into, but, um, you know, one of the messages that's certainly out there and what I did was like pop Christian music, yeah. um, which as females doesn't work for Christian, the Christian industry. And that's a whole, you know, like I said, we could really dive into each of these things. But um, if you look at any female Christian artist, they, mm-hmm. the ones that last and the ones that are doing well right now are the ones that sing like more worshipful type songs. Yeah. Um, the ballads or, yeah, worship. Pop Christian oh, just yeah. doesn't work specifically for females. Um, it's, Amy Grant. It's, it, yeah, <laughs> all those. Yeah. Or they did it for like a second and then they went mainstream. Um, yeah, well, didn't like Stacey Rico broke out a mm-hmm. little bit. I remember seeing her record like on TV in Belgium and I was like, wow, she's really doing it. And then yeah. I never saw her again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, un- understandably. Um, so we we won a Juno Award um, mm-hmm. last yeah, last year, mm-hmm. or, yeah, in spring, and then we're up for other awards in Canada again. Um, this oh, congratulations, guys! Oh well, thank you. But it is weird. <laughs> it's very bittersweet because it's not. Yeah. Really, it's not really a thing. So right, you're like we're like yeah, we're literally have somebody to to dress us because we don't own clothes that are this fancy, and we also had to ask time off of the coffee shop to go to this award show. So. Yeah, so it's very it's very interesting, but yeah, um, yeah so. All that to be being said, like I, we were pop Christian, and um, within worship music or whether it's other type of Christian music, I think one thing that is a common thread is like our unworthiness mm. and lowliness, and oh, but we are worms, um, mm-hmm. and that's very <laughs> com- common. Um, and I don't know if that's something that like came across to you. I know that that's oh like, yeah. Okay. I mean, Oh, But We Are Worms sounds like the title of a Reliant K song. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 100%. Oh, dang. I should have pitched that to them. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. But anyway, so I, I, I'm I, sure that's a message that actually gets across to a lot of people. That's something that, like, my, you know, my sister and I, we tried to avoid that type of messaging. But um just the circles that we were in and the places that we played and the people we were around, everybody wanted that message. Like everybody was expecting that message. Everybody was want either that or hearing about really about dark, like depression and anxiety, but we weren't allowed to be in that place. Like we could talk about it, but we had to talk as if we were like healed from Jesus. Yeah. You you have to be like, I've known the valleys Right, the darkest of nights, but your yeah. light is shining bright. We yeah. see. Yeah, I, I, I think this a, is a song that's happening right now. <laughs> yeah, Are we I, know. I have a theory, Lauren. Maybe we we should test this out. If we, if State of Grace ever comes, y- y'all are in Nashville, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, we should test to see if we could write a Christian song in five minutes. Oh, done. We could. We could. Yeah, I think we could do it. Challenge write a, accepted. Like a hit christian worship song in five minutes oh absolutely could definitely do that we were just talking about that the other day when chris tomlin was we were at rock the universe and oh, chris we, heard his, we were we were hearing his um just it was just, it was just instrumental a guitar yeah. yeah a guitar yeah. check and we didn't even know what song it was but the group we were in we were all singing we all like made it up like we all just started singing and we yes. wrote like three songs within 30 seconds <laughs> yeah so oh, yeah 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 it's definitely it's definitely possible and just throw in a, a water metaphor Yep, <laughs> and we're good oh, to go. Man, we love. Ocean. Do you remember there was um there was a whole like Christian compilation album called Streams, um <laughs> with like Cindy Morgan and like Sixpence on the Richer. My yep. dad, I actually Sixpence on the Richer used to babysit me for a time oh, when man. I was really little. Um, <laughs> they were, were very they were very nice. I think honestly, um, I hope she doesn't listen to this, but I do think that Lee Nash might have been one of my first crushes because <laughs> I was afraid of her. I would like run away from her and it was only because I was so excited to see her. I was like yeah. six years old oh, and goodness. I'd be like, she's so cool. I like have to run away and she'd be like, your daughter is impossible to babysit. Like she oh. doesn't want to be around me. <laughs> You're like, no, I just uh, wanted you to chase me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so Streams was like a whole record that was all based in like water. I was yep. like, what is it, guys? What are we doing here? 
Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> There's something about something that's clear and also physical. It's not the air. You can actually see mm. water, but it's yeah. clear. But ooh, ooh. It's, it's and the clear. irony is that a lot of those churches that are playing that worship music are not actually very clear about their policies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. I totally- yep. Well, our church, so, so we go to um, Grace Point here in Nashville, and um, it's a affirming, all-inclusive church. And um, yeah, so our the our worship, we're on the worship team. Um, we are having kind of a hard time with mm, finding music um, mm. that we all align with um, as much right. as possible. You know, we can't be perfect fitting everyone's narrative all the time. Um, right. But relatively, like, you know, we try to, we switch up the lyrics of, um, uh, what was the, I, I don't, I couldn't earn it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. What was that song? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give Whichever one that away. is. Yeah. Anyway, we changed the lyrics to, um, right. I don't have to earn it because I deserve it. So, like, little switches Ooh. like that. Yeah. <laughs> in our, in our worship. And anyway, all this to say, I think I would eventually like to start, you know, you said we could write a top-notch radio single for a Christian music industry, and I think we definitely, that's could be very easy to do. I, I think I want to challenge myself and other writers to mm-hmm. try to write top-notch hits on the radio, you know, songs that are inclusive and that are Mm -hmm. more progressive but still but like but churchy you know what I mean like that could be sung in churches because there's like there's this empty space right now yeah there definitely is we don't really know what to to do with with worship so anyway your confusion with like and your conflict with Mm -hmm. Christian music is valid I think a lot of people feel that way um I myself have a hard time because I loved worship and I love worship but it's I don't fully align with the things that once, you know, yeah. I aligned with. I think my my overall question for you, Lauren, if we ever reconnect on the subject, which I, I hope we would, is mm-hmm. sort of like when there is an industry that is based in faith, mm-hmm. but there is a large exchange of money yeah. and yes. m- and marketing and capital and incentive to be financially successful to reach a large audience, what compromises are you making? And especially when like, this is in the name of God, right? You know, like what compromises are you making? What voices are you um, sort of, I guess, freezing out, icing out? I think of Jennifer Knapp a lot. I want a shirt that says like Jennifer Knapp, like her like Kansas (laughs) record, because Mm -hmm. about how she was the absolute darling of the Christian music industry and then, I mean, with won all the Dove Awards. Yeah. Um, just a phenomenal singer songwriter, headlining at Cornerstone, um, and mm. which is like Christian Coachella for anyone listening. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, and I don't know if it still exists, but at the time it was. Um, and then she just totally iced out because people decided to not agree with who she is. Like, yeah. like. Yeah. So I, I, I think that's basically the root of my curiosity and my questioning with the Christian music industry is like you have a Christian mm. industry what mm. whenever there's that exchange of money compromises are made how oh. do you draw those boundaries oh my gosh I have no idea <laughs> that that's that's your answer um those boundaries <laughs> are I think people we're still trying to figure that out there are some people that I know that are in the Christian music industry right now that are very very doing well. They're very famous in the Christian music industry and are yeah. not like there, there are people who are living in the closet, like literally. Um, wow. yeah. Um, and so they, I, I don't know for me, I, I couldn't, I personally couldn't do that. My boundary would be like, no, I will be who I am. I will love yeah. who I love. You know, that's, that is my boundary. But then other people, I don't know if they're living in, pain i would assume so but i can't i can't say that i don't mm-hmm. i don't know well i think the difficulty is a lot of people the rules aren't really made by the artists no. we're still in a space where yes. even though radio even though radio isn't prevalent at all 
they are still the gatekeepers to a lot of what's going to be promoted and who's going to listen to it because they still are in control of a lot of PR companies and stuff like that where you're still writing for people that what they're looking for is what they were looking for in the 80s. Yeah. And there's been a lot of progression that's happened in churches and a lot of of changes that have happened in Christianity specifically that aren't even able to be addressed because the people that are deciding what songs are going to make it and what songs aren't and what artists Mm -hmm. are going to be represented are still still the ones making the decisions that were making them forever ago that were icing people out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, then, then the question is like, if you're a Christian music artist that wants to make it, do you write for God or do you write for the gatekeeper? If someone uh, offers you notes, wow. you know, right. who, who do you answer to? And, and I think that's where my level of discomfort lie, because just as you said, Adam, like there, there has very clearly been a gatekeeping in what, we're listening to the messages that we're receiving. They're the exact same since mm-hmm. the industry, uh, you know, was created. And I do need a bit of a history touch up on that. But I, um, I have been really interested in the origins of the Christian music industry, just sort of independently of this conversation, because it's something that I have a lot of questions about. Um, yeah. And this sort of offshoot genre. It's a, it's a whole. That's the weird thing too. Is like it really is created its whole genre. I was in the supermarket yesterday with Lizzie. We're walking around and she's like, is this a Christian song? And yep. I was like, I don't know. And then she's like, it kind of sounds like it. I was like, sound, like you know that sound. It's a right. genre yep. of yeah. music. Um, I think th- that, I mean, that's like exactly what we were talking about with the Tomlin thing is like th- there is an exact sound. sound and science to how you write a Christian CCM radio song. And Well, that's what I'm wanting to do. So I don't know. When you ask about the boundaries... For me, if I if I want to write more music, um, I think I'm gonna write from a place of like inclusivity and from light and using the verbiage that I use with mm. God. Um, yeah, I don't know if that will be a total failure. Like I don't know. Like I, I haven't exactly I haven't written worship songs in like now a couple of years since our our last album came out. Um, so I don't know what it's like after deconstruction, what that looks like for me. Um, I do know I would like it to be within that genre so that, like I said, people can recognize the sound mm-hmm. because there is so much, there is like, there is, um, you know, thera- therapeutic things about yeah. recognizing the the vibe, the sound, the energy from different musicians or genres or, you know, what have you. Um, so that's something like I'm wanting to explore, but then my boundaries would be like, if I ever was asked to be a part of a Christian event, I, I literally cannot anymore be a part of a lot of the events that I did back as I did with my old band, Love Collide. Like I can't, I can't be a part of rallies and stuff that are exclusive and spreading messages of hate. (laughs) Um, would you, I can't do that anymore. would you be invited if you were um, sort of a, a dissenting voice? Could you still attend if your presence was openly known as someone who like disagreed, or would would you sort of I, have to toe the line? Um, I, I don't, I don't know. This is a new territory for me. This is something right. that I'm literally just tipping my toe into. Um, mm-hmm. I because our old stuff was. We were never conservative, but we were like in that world. So like I think our people's perspective of us was conservative, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, yeah. So I don't know if I took that same platform as my old band Love Clyde. Now my sister's not in it. It's just it's just me and Adam. I don't know mm-hmm. if people would be like unaware of where I'm coming from and invite us and then be like, oh, shoot, we'll never invite her back. <laughs> um, mm. I don't know. I I think I would like to figure that out but I mm-hmm. it's all new for me I, I I really don't know I know personally I would not I would not just be quiet and be like yeah it's fine I mean I don't resonate with that but like you know it's fine right. I can't I can't do that anymore because I, I feel yeah. like I did that long enough like that was mm-hmm. our old band that was the way it was um and so for me personally my boundary my boundary is no like I I wouldn't be able to just deal yeah. with it um so I don't know I don't know what that looks like well I'm really excited for you because oh. <laughs> I think that this sounds like a like like you said there there is a need for this type of music and I think that 
the thing with Christian music as, you know, as that genre that is so familiar is that it does serve a purpose for so many people as you hear it, you kind of like you check in with yourself in a different way, or maybe, you know, maybe sometimes people hear it and they laugh at it because it's corny. I don't know. I know yeah. that you wouldn't make corny music. I believe in you, but, <laughs> um, but you know, it's sort of like, it, it does, it does serve a purpose. I just wonder like, who is it serving? Right. Is it serving, you know, the powers that be that control this industry or is it serving, um, an almighty, all loving creator? Yes. So do you feel like you're able to write music in your space that does have spirituality built into it? Or do you feel like the having a Christian industry kind of excludes any sort of other secular writing from, from that connection? Yeah, I, I definitely feel free to write from a spiritual place. And I have before, um, I have a song called when I go, which is about when I die, because um, I'm a fun person to be around. Uh, and, and I, you know, talk openly um, to God in that song. But I also sort of have a great deal of peace knowing that just because of who I am, it will um, preclude me from ever entering into a Christian music space, which mm. I guess if I was in a different position, that might feel like it was suck, but it, it doesn't. I, I really feel incredibly free to express my yeah. faith in a way that is wholly authentic to me. Like I have a song I'm working on right now. And um, to me, it's like, it, it really feels like a prayer, but I say the word shit in it at the yeah. same time. And I, and that's something that I'm like really interested about. And maybe this is worth an episode look, to be honest, because I have a lot of questions is I would love to sit down with a Christian music executive yeah. and be like, okay, what is the boundary? Seal? Could someone say, I was a piece of shit before I knew the Lord in a song. Yeah, right. right. Would they, would they accept like if that, if the sentiment is one of those things where it's like, if that, if you really felt that way and then right. you met God, right. Like, could you swear in a Christian song? Yeah. And why mm. can't you? Yeah. Well, it, please because, in, invite me along on those, those <laughs> interviews. I really would love to be there. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I mean, I just have a lot of, I just have a lot of questions about this world and the boundaries. And mm. that is usually a sign of something that you need to explore a little bit more right. and the history of Christian music as well. For sure. Um, and, and how it, and how they decide the winners for the Dove Awards. Oh, well, it's, it's very <laughs> political. I, I, it's got to be rigged, no, right? It's, it's got to yes, be rigged. Yeah. It is. I would look at the winners every year and I'd be like, come on. What no, is it's, it is. Michael Curtis, Mark Curtis, <laughs> what's his name? Stephen Curtis, Curtis Chapman. Stephen yeah. Curtis Chapman, and then Michael W. Come Smith. On. They all go by their first, middle, and last name because yeah. they're that fancy. Yeah, no, I mean it is. I, it, I can I can answer that question. It is rigged. Um, uh, like I know. So yes, I knew it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I knew um, it was Stephen all Curtis Chapman. I remember that. I was like, this guy's songs are fine. <laughs> Let's not pretend like he's reinventing the wheel. And it was he's a, on like the cover of everything. Yeah. Like, am I missing something? Yeah. Well, no, you're you're not really missing anything. Now you know the truth. But yeah, it's it's <laughs> no shade to Steve Curtis Chapman. I'm no, sure no, no. Nice guy. I have no idea who he I mean, I don't think that my my guess on any Christian music artist is that they probably would be like love the sinner, hate the hate sin the, about yeah, gay yes. people. Yes. So I guess I shouldn't care that much with Stephen Curtis Chapman. <laughs> yeah, honestly, no, probably not. But I hope he's well. <laughs> Sorry, sending I good vibes. <laughs> sending good vibes to you. Be um, offensive, Adam, and here I am. Uh, here we are living that offensive Stephen life. Curtis it's fine. <laughs> I love that. Well, yeah, I mean, and then just defining, like, like you said, what is what is worship? Because I have my own. I actually have my own mm. mainstream music too, under the name mm -hmm. Benashi. So oh, okay. I. So I'm That's like, cool. thank you. It's it's my dad's native name. Um, oh. And yeah, so it's like I'm doing that. And I thought that's what all my music was going to be was Benashi. Um, mm -hmm. But recently have kind of rediscovered the potential or I guess, yeah, just discovered for the first time the potential mm -hmm. of maybe writing Christian music in a different light and taking back what's mine because I kind of stepped away from Love Collide yeah. altogether after my sister left. I was like, well, we're done. It's over. Kaput. And, you know, mm -hmm. from others in my life, they're like, no, like you have, you have 
something you worked on for like 10 years. Why don't why don't you go with that? So anyway, I'm yeah. I'm in mentally and emotionally and spiritually being like, okay, what's worship then? Like if I have Banashi stuff, which I'm talking about life and talking about heartbreak and love and all this stuff, like what differentiates that and my pot- potential future other mm-hmm. maybe religious music? Like I, what besides the genre, besides the sound? I think it's the chord progression, progression and the toms. Yeah, the honestly. Yeah, and the drums. Like, that's pretty much it. So it's basically just a sound thing um, at mm-hmm. this point, at least in my life. So I don't know. Yeah, because we are all one in our identity. There's no division within us with who mm-hmm. we are, hopefully, unless, you know, there is a part of you that isn't revealed yet to the rest of the world or maybe right. to yourself yet. But for many of us, we're all we're all one. It's all part of it. So when I'm mm-hmm. writing a song... Um, and it is prayerful, but it is written how I speak and it's, you know, maybe uh, aggressive and it deals with something else, but then it comes back to this sentiment of, um, of, of hurting, like, is that hurt that, that you're expressing is holiness? You know, it's all, right. we're all, it's all part of us. And I, holiness I think that. and wholeness, like we are yeah, whole. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that it really just the difference is in the sound um, yeah. and the yeah. capacity that that sound has for comfort, Lauren, is um, incredible. And I think that that is why this project that you're embarking on is so exciting because it's, it's again, it's something that a lot of people feel like they can't participate in. You know, it's part yeah. of why, why State of Grace got started is because I want people to know that if you had a relationship at one point in time with a loving creator and that yeah. you became yourself, you came out in some way and someone said, you don't have access to that God mm. anymore. I want mm-hmm. you to know, I want people to know that you do. And yes. I think that it's kind of similar with what it sounds like your music project would be is that if you were, you know, if this worship music is no longer accessible to you, if you're not included in right. these messages, let me, you let know, me let me be there space. for you. Yep. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know what that looks like. Um, as I'm on my own now, so I don't have the backing I used to. I don't have the people in my life to, mm-hmm. you know, record the thing. So it's me learning all this over. But, you know, I, yeah. I do have my, I read something online. It's like not about, you're not starting over. You're starting from experience. Um, Ooh, yeah. so, so anyway, good. I'm trying, I'm trying to go off of that and, and it's scary. I don't know if, if it doesn't work out with me doing it under the name of Love Clyde, I, I don't know. I might do it under my own like Lauren Deliri name. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, we'll just see what happens and what takes place, you know, mm-hmm. but Anyway, yeah, I feel like this conversation was like half us interviewing you, <laughs> half you interviewing us, which is like the best. This is just a normal conversation. I love it. Um, well, is there anything else? Like you have music coming out. Um, tell us yeah. when is that? When is it dropping? Oh, would that I could tell you. Um, oh. <laughs> so it's coming out in February. Got it. It is The project is not totally done yet, but I've given myself the deadline of Valentine's quote me on that it could be a bit before on valentine's day yeah okay that's that's what i'm aiming for something around there and it's it's just going to be an ep of some demos that i've been working on in my office um in between uh studio releases i like to just i guess include people in on the process of of what is writing and creating so some of these songs um you might hear again in a more polished format yeah but this is um how they existed in my brain in my world in my home and i i wanted to share them and the first song off the ep is already out it's called the werewolf and that song became like a very good friend of mine Mm. i I, you know you know lauren when you write a song and it just it's like i really needed to hear that that was really really Mm -hmm. happy i did that for me yeah Um, like you said it becomes your friend the werewolf and yeah. It does. It does become your friend. It's like, oh, you're so there for me. You just mm-hmm. get me song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, so I'm excited to put out just a really personal, uh, a really personal project. And it's called the December Demos, and it'll be out sometime in February, which doesn't make sense because it was, you know, December, December when I wrote them. But let <laughs> let it be. Let it let be. It I'm be. trying to go easy on myself. Yeah, for yeah. sure. No, I I love that. I'm I'm putting out a song on Valentine's Day that I wrote like in what april last year so yeah. don't yeah. oh heck yeah don't worry about it it's that's i'm excited i can't wait to hear it oh my gosh oh yeah same with your music and you go by is it similar 
Similar. Yeah. I just okay. go by my middle name. Okay. That's awesome. That's an easy way to remember it. Um, and you have the link and everything to your music, to your Spotify account on your Instagram, which of course I'll put all of your links and all the things to find you um, in our, the bio or the about section on this episode. So people yeah, thank you. can, can check it out. But well, thank you so much for talking with us today. This is so yes, fun. Thank you for having me. That's been awesome. Well, like I said, anytime you're in Nashville, come on, stop by. Um, we'd love to hang out with you and talk more. Music yes, stuff. I would love that. Oh. I really would love that, Lauren. I will definitely keep you posted. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, and until next time. Bye. bye.